After three months in the hospital, just being home called for celebration. But when I tried to sing, I noticed I'd lost some range, an octave and a half. My doctor's response? Well, you probably have permanent scar tissue from the endotracheal tube, but you're alive. Right. He had no idea what life without being able to sing means to a singer. Hello, this is Judy Rodman. You're listening to All Things Vocal Podcast. This is the audio version of the blog you can find at judyrodman.com. I know about vocal damage. I've researched and consulted with voice specialists and doctors about it. And years ago, I came close to losing my own voice permanently. At a previous post on my blog with tips about recovering from laryngitis, and you'll hear that on my podcast as well, that, that episode, I get many fearful comments from people worried about their injured voices never coming back. So I decided to tell the story of my own experience with serious vocal damage and why I have become such a believer in the ability of the voice to heal. Now, right here, I have to give this disclaimer, but it's pretty serious, so pay attention to it. If you experience hoarseness or laryngitis for a length of time, the Mayo Clinic suggests two weeks, you should go to a doctor to be assessed for the presence of something bad like cancer, spasmodic dysphonia, or other serious disease. Don't take chances with your voice. Get to the bottom of any medically treatable underlying cause. And also, ruling serious illness out can give you the peace of mind to commit totally to your vocal retraining and complete healing. All right, let me tell you the story of my vocal healing. When my son was born several decades ago in Memphis, Tennessee, I had very serious complications. My intestines had adhered through scar tissue to my uterus and the active childbirth pulled my insides apart pretty much. They diagnosed the cause as undiscovered Crohn's disease. It took three surgeon angels, three major surgeries, three months in the hospital, and seven weeks of that in ICU to get me home. And then about another two years and another surgery to physically heal. In the process, I was intubated on a ventilator for days at a time, several times. They told me later that they would have done a tracheotomy had they realized I would be on the ventilator that long, but I got better just in time to avoid that procedure, (laughs) so I have one less scar. But the intubation for that long was extremely detrimental to my vocal cords. Some screaming I did for various reasons of pain after they took the tubing out didn't help. So in total, I lost an octave and a half of vocal range. Pretty significant. My brilliant surgeons, through the grace and providence of God, saved my life. But in the process, it looked like I'd lost my voice. After I got home from the hospital and had some healing time behind me, I asked my primary surgeon about my ailing voice. He looked down my throat and told me, well, it was probably from permanent scar tissue on my vocal cords and that I was lucky to be alive. I knew that. 
but as a professional singer, staff singer, member of a nightclub band, background singer on records, looking at the end of my vocal career, I didn't feel lucky at all. I became determined not to take that diagnosis for the final word. In my short stint in college, I had taken classical voice where I learned to pronounce and sing several of the 24 Italian art songs. I got my book out and I began to very lightly attempt some of the songs in my head voice. Little by little, my head voice began to come back. It took two years, but I got almost all of my previous range back from an F below middle C to a B-flat just below high C. From what I know now, it was exercising my head voice as opposed to my chest voice that was exactly what I needed to limber up my stiff and puffy vocal cords and begin to create a mixed or middle voice again. About this time, my young family moved from Memphis to Nashville. I began to do some studio vocals, session work, but I was plagued with respiratory illnesses and pneumonia and had to work very hard for extreme vocal control necessary for that line of work. I found out that several of the top session singers I worked with went regularly to a professional vocal coach named Gerald Arthur, so I also became his student. On a side note, I also began seeing alternative health practitioner Liz Flanagan, who changed my diet and got my excessive mucus and digestive issues under control. After all, it's hard to sing with walking pneumonia, much less just a lot of phlegm. Gerald Arthur told me that what I needed to do was to stop guarding my voice. I was able to trust him enough to do that and submit to his vocal exercises without holding back. Little by little, under Gerald's patient guidance and positive support, I was able to gain back my ease of vocal control, and I increased my range to half a step higher than I'd ever had. Long story short, about three years later, I had a recording deal and a number one record and an ACM New Female Vocalist Award. A year after that, when I opened for Reba at Mud Island in Memphis, one of my surgeons showed up at the show and surprised me with a dozen roses. What a success story for us all. Years later, my journey led me to my own career as vocal coach. I learned more intricately how the voice works, what affects it, and how I could unlock other people's voices. I found that my personal acquaintance with vocal damage helped me tremendously with diagnosing vocal injury and strain in my students. From seeing what worked for all kinds of voices, I developed my Power Path and Performance vocal training method. And the funny thing is, working with this method, I gained one and a half steps of vocal range myself on the top end that I'd never had. I completely eliminated a vocal break I'd always had. My vocal control is better now than ever. My speaking voice never tires, even when teaching for many hours a day. I began singing live again, even did an album with my husband that you can find at johnandjudyrodman.com. And our little baby has grown into an amazing young man. 
I tell you this story to encourage you, dear singers and speakers. Although prevention is always better than treatment, voices are rarely ever damaged beyond repair. With time and good healing strategies, injured voices can indeed recover. And often in the process of retraining with better vocal technique and health habits, you end up with a better voice than you ever had before. I know. I did it. Note, if you schedule a surgical procedure and will have to be intubated for it, be sure and tell your anesthesiologist that you're a singer or a professional speaker. Sometimes it's an emergency situation, but if it's possible to let them know beforehand, it can make a big difference in how careful they are when they insert the tube. You might even let your family know as well. If that ever happens, be sure that the anesthesiologist knows that you have a serious voice and you want to keep as much of it as possible. For more information on vocal health, sign up for my newsletter at judyrodman.com and for the bonus, you'll get a five-page report on vocal health with bunches of tips. Please think about leaving me a review if you've enjoyed this podcast where you heard it. And I thank you very much. This is Judy Rodman. See you next time on All Things Vocal the podcast for singers, speakers, vocal coaches, and studio producers.